0: high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, T.C. Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Brian Roche, the Director of IT at Belfast City Airport. Brian is a leader with a passion, a passion to bring some simplicity to a world that is riddled with acronyms and complex structures. So let's not delay. Let's get Brian into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Brian. Welcome to CTO Confessions Podcast.
1: Uh, thank you, uh, TC. It's it's great to be here to talk to you today.
0: Brilliant. That's great. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for?
1: Well, um, I'm Brian. Uh, I'm Director of Information Technology at Belfast City Airport. Uh, basically, I'm responsible and accountable for all matters, IT, cybersecurity, and the governance and regula- regulatory requirements for this.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty loaded role. You know, there's a lot. I can imagine there's a lot of uh, ins and outs and intricacies in that.
1: Yeah, it keeps busy. But, you know, it's great to be at the executive level because it's really important to have a technologist at the heart of business and how it will grow in the future.
0: Yeah, brilliant. So the journey to this point, to you becoming a tech leader in this kind of fantastic airport, what was that journey like?
1: Um, well, first of all, it was fairly long. Um <laughs> But over the last 20 years, I actually worked mainly in the vendor and partner areas of IT. And I've worked with big companies like EMC and HPE and Dell and Hitachi. But I started as a systems administrator, you know, looking after um, the tin and the operating systems for an e-commerce house in Dublin many moons ago. Right. And... Um, but I took that journey from systems administration to a global sysadmin, to implementation specialist, to uh, architect, to enterprise architect, then moved into consultancy and became a transformation program director. Um, I actually moved from there into becoming a sales leader for technology uh, and then back into executive technology roles. Um So it's been an interesting journey. It's had its ups and downs, but in the main part, it's been very enjoyable. And I think the best thing about it was the fabulous people that I worked with and met along the way.
0: Brilliant, love it. And um, while we were actually talking about your journey, is there any tips for other uh, aspiring leaders out there that you kind of give to make their life easier or even fun?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of making their life easier, if they want to progress uh, in their career, to senior roles within technology, you have to learn and understand and be empathetic about the challenges and roles that the other people at executive levels have. So Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, it's why I went into a sales role. So I understand how to run the commercials of the business. Um, So, and I think, but one of the most important things and probably one of the, the key things is, it's about translating technology speak into business language that everybody can understand and digest in a way that they're using to. What I find is a lot of technologists will go off into a tangent of yeah, undecipherable language that business people don't understand. Yes. Yeah. So the best way to do is communicate clearly and in their language, learn their language. And the other point is it takes a long time to build trust. So act with integrity. Uh, honesty and transparency throughout the
0: journey I love that yeah that's that's great well we'll come on to the transparency side of things I find this fascinating in organizations the benefit that can be it's a real it's a really neat trick but not many organizations tend to kind of work on that um but I, I just I was just thinking actually when you mentioned around that translation from the kind of tech world to the to the uh to the business world I wonder if Google have got a translator you know a universal translator for that you know that'd be brilliant wouldn't it you know um yeah
1: I, I mean I think The easiest way to do it is just (sighs) dumb it down is the wrong word, but to change the nature of the language, you know, get rid of all of those three-letter acronyms. Mm. Um, Don't just go off in tangential rants about technologies, you know. But I think what's the important thing to do is show how the technology solves any problems, issues, or challenges, uh, but also show the value of the business outcome.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Come back to outcomes. Always come back to outcomes. They're a good they're a good place to start and end, I think, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. and so I'm gonna ask a really dumb question here, uh, which is what does your company do? <laughs> well,
1: I, th- I think I think the hint is in the title, <laughs> yeah, TC. Right. Uh so we are an airport. So but what I see that w- we do is it's not just about being an airport. It's an airport is a mini city, it's a community. And what we do is we connect people and
0: places. Mm, I like it.
1: And that's how I feel we serve our customers and and work with our business partners to give the best possible experience on their journeys.
0: Brilliant. That's great. And I love that term, connecting people and places, because, I mean, in there um it, there is the outcome that you're trying to achieve you know are you achieving that you know and making that kind of pleasant um and uh coming back to yourself j- just before we kind of jump into your kind of leadership what's the things around technology that really rock your boat get you up in the morning bouncing out you know
1: yeah well rock your boat is, is an interesting phase phrase for me because my passion is sailing oh, wow. uh, which is also very uh technology-based but what gets me out of bed is just my passion for technology and how technology can improve people's lives. Yeah. Um, you know, technology can be used for positivity, uh, and I would, you know, strongly do that. Unfortunately, technology can also be used for the wrong reasons. So putting in the controls and understanding the process. So, you know, only do good with technology would be a real sort of, uh, well, not sort of it it's how i would like to perceive that technology can progress within the world and yeah. you know we can we can have an ethical and moral responsibility about the technology we deploy uh, because with the growth of technologies like ai etc and you know we can go back to the the example of the ai bot that was had to be turned off by a major vendor um, because it started talking a language that they didn't understand um so yeah. you, You know, I would kind of, I would kind of always revert to Isaac Asimov's uh, laws of robotics. And I think he has it pretty much in there in his books um, about, you know, what AI needs to be and that it, it does need to be restricted because we've seen all the horror stories like the Terminators and Skynet.
0: Oh yeah, Absolutely.
1: All this kind of stuff. I think the likelihood of that happening is, is quite low. Um, but, you know, if you merge something like AI with the developers that they're making in quantum compu- computing,
0: yeah,
1: that is a real impact because, you know, used in the wrong way, if quantum computing is there and the AI has the ability to take control of it, basically, there'll be no cybersecurity.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Because quantum computing will be able to break those. So, I mean, that would be my future concern, but I think, yeah, going back to the question, which was, what do I get out of bed for? And that is, you know, the people I work with, the technology I work with, and just that kind of, we can striving to always do better, striving to exceed, Mm. uh, you know, there's very few things that are perfect you get close to perfection as you can and if you know in some areas you might be able to take leaps and bounds and change things significantly very quickly other little things that might just be chipping away bit by bit just to get the right outcomes
0: yeah love it and coming now onto your leadership uh within the kind of airport and the it space what what's your leadership style like what's the thing that you're trying to achieve through your leadership
1: so through, I mean, I I would be uh, an advocate of Henry Mintzberg's change cube, and that's kind of how I organize my strategic, uh, operational, and my strategic transformational and operational perspective on business. And you know, the thing I've only been in post um, less than eighteen months. Uh, but i think the thing to achieve is understanding that vision to become you know the smartest airport that we can be um but also you know just delivering on a good strategy for that so i mean i've just been working on a five-year plan and i have gone into sort of five priorities for five years and you know in no particular order uh, those priorities would be, you know, enhancing the customer experience via technology innovation. So within yeah. the airport space, it could be digital wayfinding, it could be frictionless through the journey, you know, from curbside to gate, so that people are safe and secure and sanitized as possible. You know, the other big thing, Adam, you know, which is which is top of the list when I come to reporting and sort of board level is cybersecurity yes and the governance compliance and regulatory requirements that go around that Mm. so obviously um the aviation industry is often targeted um and we would have a significant amount of invasion attempts a month so we i mean we either have a million firewall denials per month wow Yeah. so we have to have robust uh technology, people and processes in place to, to manage all of that. Yeah, I think the most exciting. Well, one of the most exciting things for me is also becoming a data driven enterprise. So recently we have made some investments in um, analytics capability within the airport. Uh, and that journey is beginning. But the art of what is possible is just uh, it's just phenomenal. You know, the, the level of business insight that we can drive through a good analytics program and not only for our own insights as a business and, you know, making decisions based on factual information, understanding the causation, the correlations between how different things impact our business, you know, for instance, I mean, down to the devil, down to the detail of, you know, if it's raining, are more people likely to park in your car park? I mean, that's the type of intelligence that we can drive out of it. But then becoming data-driven also gives us much more benefits so we can have a much more targeted services at the demographics that use the airport. So, you know, not only will it improve business efficiency and process and lead to enhanced productivity and profitability, it'll help us... my other priority, enhancing the customer experience.
0: Yeah, that's great. When coming back to the kind of security issue, that's just something in the forefront of my mind is, is that, you know, it must, it, well, it sounds relentless. Um, are, the attack, are these kind of attacks just people just trying to break things for fun of it, or is it kind of proper malicious, you know? It's
1: a mix of both. Um, we would see and track the activity of the locations, and, um, of a lot of the attacks and some of them are, you know, prospectively state-led. Um, some are script kiddies, some are, you know, cracking groups from, yeah. uh, from around the world. But, you know, it's just, I, I'm a very, you know, good view of security and what you can do within it and actually the best protection is education of your internal people yeah. aligned with sort of you know making sure that your user accounts are regularly reviewed and that people only have the permissions that they require you know making sure that your virtual and logical environments are separated either logically or or, or physically. Um you know, there's a whole bunch of you know good practice things um, as I said, like locking down your user accounts uh keeping on top of your your permissions um oh well, there's there's a whole load of them, but there's kind of five mainstays, yeah. but I've actually found that education um is one of the primary uh defenses because, Phishing and smishing is actually a huge amount of yes. the attacks that we get. Um, and within that, we have an education program. We actually run our own phishing and smishing simulations uh, in partnership with uh, some of our cybersecurity uh, partners, uh, which is a really effective way of doing it because if somebody clicks on it, they get an education
0: yeah, series. So I, I've fallen foul of that one a few times. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but we ran a program called Be Vigilant, and uh, which started be at the first lockdown for COVID, uh, because traditionally we've been a very location based uh, business where people come in would have traditionally come into work. So when COVID hit, we had to quickly transition. Whereas we might have had fifteen people who would regularly work remotely, we now had to get seventy odd. So our business is actually very lean in terms of the team and we yeah. have outsources and out tasks for different parts of the business but you know within yeah. essentially three days we had everything in place so that everybody could work remotely and securely yeah um, and you know with all of the requirements in terms of multi-factor authentication all, all that kind of stuff so uh, yeah i mean securities has to be number one on the agenda i mean if in the executive team meetings number one on um our ceo's lips is safety and security of which cyber security falls into so we report on that on a weekly basis and we have a very comprehensive reporting uh, structure through the business we have our information security board and we do monthly reports reports to uh, the executive board for the business so you know, it's, it is it is something that has a lot of, um, takes a lot of time, effort, but it's required because again, it's all about providing an environment that people feel safe and secure with. So, um, you know, uh, we, we've had three denial of, major denial of service attempts this year. Wow. And we didn't have any impact to operations. Yeah. Uh, and that says a lot, both for the internal team and the nature of the people but also with our our, our managed service provider for who, who look after the farmers for us Excellent. Um, sometimes it's better to task out those things where somebody can just do it so much better than you could ever develop the capability in-house yeah um so yeah
0: Yeah, security that's good. yeah I mean, security is a big thing and uh, is, it is interesting um you know how the this role has actually become a specialized thing within the kind of tech mm. leadership space um and um and I, I like your kind of idea also as getting partners in to kind of manage that because they have the expertise they have the uh, they've probably seeing a bigger picture as well There's this is kind of cross-pollination of of awareness and understanding
1: as well as that they also have economies of scale so yes. I mean if they can deliver stuff as a service on a one-to-many, I would never be able to compete with that from a cost perspective. Yes. You know, they can deliver me a service. It's something that if I had to invest in the capital and the technology and all that kind of stuff, I could never achieve that without mm. working with partners. And I think it's really important to do so. But if I just flip back to my five priorities, yeah. uh, just finish them off sure while we could. The uh, one after the analytics is like the simplification and consolidation consolidation of IT infrastructure and software so getting rid of all of the fluff you know if I have two systems that both have the capability to do one thing look at the two systems look at their capability and get rid of one of them Um, and these you know we've gone from a traditional uh, sort of three-tier storage area network into a private hybrid cloud Using uh, which incorporates uh, hyper-converged infrastructure as well. Yeah. So you know that's given us a lot of flexibility because we have this cloud-like service, and we have the the ability to burst out should we need more resources. We also have the ability to fail over to another site should we need to, but I don't have to have the additional cost and of having the two things up and running. It's ready and waiting should I require it. Hmm but it's only there if I require it. So, yeah. you know, it's that, that kind of, I I kind of feel that you have to go to a hybrid model. It's very difficult to go to a full cloud model unless you start there.
0: Right, that's quite an interesting perspective, yeah. And
1: The, the other perspective is cloud isn't always cheaper. I mean, if you face it, cloud is not a location, it's an operating model. It's a consumption-based operating model. And now most vendors can do that on-prem, off-prem or in a hybrid way. And that's the journey I decided to take because there's some very just, cloud works for certain types of workloads and it doesn't work for others. So if you've got a, a lot of data, but very little change, the cloud is very expensive. When you can burst up and down and pay as you consume, then that's a much better model for cloud. Yeah. So I think it's understanding and classifying your applications. So I kind of there I've kind of did an application mapping exercise and classification. So what applications do what? Where do they reside? Uh, and how are they served? So essentially, my goal is anything that I can move to software as a service, I will. Because mm-hmm. again, that's about economies of scale, getting a, a lot of extra functionality without the additional cost and also now I manage an SLA rather than having to run that completely and totally by myself so what I can move to SaaS I can but it means that my key team can focus on what they need to focus on because everything that we outtask yeah in terms of because I would see software as a service as an outtask for that specific thing
0: sure
1: uh, and everything that we outtask actually means that's something off the list that we have to support
0: yeah that's that's quite an interesting uh perspective i, I had a, an image that there's a kind of mix between in-house uh what i call kind of native applications and then yes staff stuff the, the the thing i'm curious around is is that obviously with the uh airport you, you know it's critical you know there uh, it, it's um you know it's part of the critical organs of, of uh your kind of local region and, and maybe yes. even the nation um so Bringing kind of SaaS companies in, which is great that they can do that and they can scale up. How do you kind of deal with the the ability for them to kind of still operate? So there's there's almost kind of like of a, you're de-risking some things, but there's an uh, the SaaS companies could potentially fold, or they could run out of money, or something goes wrong mm-hmm. on their end.
1: So that is a possibility, um, and it's a, it's a risk that you have to assess. The thing is, within the airport industry, there tends to be multiple multiple suppliers for every type of approach. So if one fails, there's
0: typically right. somebody- Brilliant, redundancy, yeah. Uh,
1: coming up behind. In fact, I, I work with a, a partner at the moment um, who looks after my AODB, so they support and manage that on my behalf. And my AODB is my airport operational database. Uh, and the benefit that I leverage from that partnership is significant. Wow. Because they've been able to modernize an old Oracle-related database into a a middleware layer that has APIs that gives me much more power and control over my data.
0: Brilliant.
1: So, you know, there's constant innovation coming for that, and I could never do that for that level of money, for that level of... of, I could never get that level of value by looking at doing it myself. I don't do any in-house development, attend tend to productize everything. Um, the only development that we will be looking at doing in-house is analytics-based. Yeah. So we're just going to start up on a journey. And rather interestingly, uh, my kind of vision for that is mainly open-source technologies.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, and I like open-source technologies because A, uh, they tend to be attacked less from a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, it's a community-based of, you know, transparency, transparency, openness, and and communication. So it's like everybody's doing the things for the right reasons. So yeah. I really like that that kind of cultural nature. Obviously, there are some things that you just don't move into that world. In the business world, you know, Microsoft is the leader. Yeah. Yes, I'm an M365 user, and I'm going to leverage that and we have made some license changes recently which has been made uh, meant i've been able to actually cut my software costs for next year's budget by about 40 percent wow for for like a 400 pound uplift a year wow. so you know when you get an investment of 400 quid and maybe another ten thousand in and sort of projects and getting some partners to come in and help with bits and bobs to remove 10, 20 times that value in software. Yeah, that's great. It, it
0: so what I love, what I'm hearing here from you, Brian, is is that um, you know yourself and and uh, potentially you know, your team as well, you're, you're kind of looking to, uh, it's a word that you've used a few times, simplify, you know, yeah. simplifying it uh, and, and looking to see where, it's not just about delivering the technology, but it's also kind of cost saving to the business.
1: Yeah, it's so I, I, I would have seen there's a lot of elegance and simplicity. Yeah. Right? So. I'm trying to streamline my suppliers, streamline my technology in order to streamline my business. So, you know, if you think about what's important to airports, they're given a value based on their EBITDA and a a market thing. So if I can save, you know, a million pounds, that could add between 15 and 20 times to the value of the of the asset. Wow. So yeah. it's 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 understanding and again that goes back to my earlier point about understanding the business and the commerciality and how that impacts. So that just I base everything that I do for my, you know, simplification and continuous service improvement based on what can I take out that will add to that value, but then what can I add in that will also add to that value? by enabling me to bring in more customers to gain market share and that actually brings me on to sort of my fifth point about my five priorities which is how can we develop alternative revenue sources Mm -hmm. via IT for the airport and we're looking into a number of non-traditional ways of doing that
0: I love it and that's really interesting how you're you're really looking to see how technology can be there is again this is this is the great thing about you know technology leaders like yourself you're not just looking to uh, deliver some technology uh, and then hell with it you know it's it's around it being an integral part to the bottom line uh the way in which people work the customer experience what have you So
1: i don't see it as a cost center it is a profit center and a business enabler technology is now fundamental to our way of life it is integrated and essential and so much of The systems and the functionality and the things that we do on a daily basis are underpinned by technology. So you have to have that technological perspective at the most senior executive level within a business because technology can enable things in a way that other things can't and also what technology can do. And I think probably the biggest benefit in a business like this is that we can get rid of those laborious manual tasks the tasks that take people a lot of time and also sort of squeeze their productivity. So do I want to have a guy spending all day, eight hours for a day reaming through to produce a small bit of vital information to the board when I could actually have a piece of technology that can do it with the click of a button.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And, you know, there's there's been certain roles around the business that we've been able to, to impact in a way where they've actually seen like productivity increases of 40 to 50% because we've been able to automate stuff. So you can do that through analytics, you can do through robotic process automation. But, you know, I suppose, you know, going back to what we were discussing is technology can make people's lives better mm,
0: love
1: that. and you know my perspective on this is take that pain away you know it's really interesting you know people have asked me before what keeps you awake at night and my current answer is nothing at the
0: moment <laughs> great that's good yeah
1: um, because i have a committed and able an included team supporting my business who will do what's right when the business needs it. And they do that and they will stand up and do what they need for the business because we treat them like adults and we have a good culture. And, you know, that culture. Uh, so I recently insourced my engineering team we don't have a particularly big team here uh, yep. at Belfast City Airport but I insourced that team and that was a, that allowed me to take about 40 percent of the cost out of our of our support operational model wow okay I mean, because these, I can these, now these, use these, support these big resources
0: big.
1: For, yeah it's it, yeah it's they're very big savings but also the productivity but the drive and the motivation of the team and the people and It's kind of resonated across the the business that the change that we've done with the support operational model and bringing the team in house, people have seen you know improved support, issues being resolved quicker, uh, a better suite of technology supporting them in a bit better way. It's you know and, and I suppose the question is then how did I do that? I did that by sort of, you know going with the core values of the airport and we have published values. They're on our website. And those core values are total respect, full accountability, openness in our dealings, absolute care and obvious passion. So, you know, they align with me from a moral and ethical standpoint. I like to treat people as I like to be treated. And, you know, in terms of, you know, driving a team, I think that's really important. If you empower people, if you make them part of the decision-making process, if you look for their viewpoints and perspectives and the impact that different technologies or processes can have on the business, not only will they go off and be bought into the process, they'll do it faster, they'll do it better. Um, And it's all about getting that buy-in but, you know, you give people responsibility and accountability and they will stand up. Yeah, you man. know, I, I am a, a huge advocate um, of just trust. And trust for me is the most important word in, biz- in business. Mm-hmm. I need to trust my business partners. I need to trust my team. I need to trust my colleagues that we're all going to strive to meet the vision and the mission of the business in the same way. And I believe I enable that by having a really good, close, and sometimes no-holds-barred relationship with the team. And I'm not going to call it my team because it's our team. Yeah. People don't work for me. They work with me. Yeah. And I think just those little things can make a huge difference. So we have a weekly IT team meeting. Uh, at the moment, obviously, it's it's virtually. Um, But we go through what are the changes coming up, what are the tasks, how is it going to impact this, what other things are coming down the business. Sometimes there are things just that you know at an exec level that you can't uh, communicate to your teams, but sometimes I'll just go, hey, lads, just remember, sometimes there's stuff I just can't tell you, Mm -hmm. and if I put something down, it's because of another business reason. And... I tell them the line that I'm going to say, I just go, I'm sorry, but I can't go into that at the moment. Yeah. They then understand that there's a wider business challenge.
0: Yeah.
1: And that I'm trying to work on it. And once I can give them transparency on it, I can. Yeah. So I mean, you know, just treating people like you like to be treated yeah. and treat people like adults and empowering them, You're responsible for that to me. You said you're going to deliver it by then great the other thing i i always like to to say is uh under promise and overperform.
0: yeah i like that and um, i love the element of trust that you kind of mentioned there because this is part of patrick Luenzi's uh five dysfunctions of a team and you know, it's the lower echelon and yeah. uh, and i think you're you're right you know i mean ultimately businesses are a social system you know and underlying yeah. that is trust you know that's where the communication really enhances so
1: yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I would much rather have a low-performing, high-trust individual than a high-performing, low-trust individual.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell me about
1: it, yeah. And, you know, because of the... you know, And it's been proven, I've, I've read some uh, papers and stuff in this in journals about the damage that a high-performing, low-trust individual can have in yeah. a business. There are... A few high-performing, high-trust people, but they are few and far between. Um, Not in this business, luckily. Um, I mean, since I've joined the airport, I'm a faith, best place I've ever worked. Um, Our outgoing CEO, Brian Ambrose, has done an amazing job of building a culture. You know, last year, we gave out two awards for people who've been within the business for 30 years without having a single sick day
0: wow yeah that's pretty impressive
1: we have people who we gave out five for people who'd been in the 20 in the business for 20 years so you know that comes from the core values and the way that we engage with our team and you know one of the things that makes me so much feel so much at home at the airport and part of the family and part of the team is that really good culture that's been here but having a good culture like that also enables transformation because people understand that it's everything changes and it changes rapidly and you know if i was to give a key takeaway for uh people in technology is the only constant is change yeah and transformation is actually a way of life and you know If you want to drive change and again, go back to a previous point of climbing up that ladder, embrace change Yeah, in a positive way, but getting the buy-in is the important thing. And, you know, using those right values and that right cultural approach is the way to do that.
0: Yeah. I love love that. There's a very kind of people-centric approach to, to this here. And you kind of mentioned a few really nice words there, you know, autonomy, trust accountability um and there's a offline there was a kind of mention of you know people are happier they tend to be more productive and what have you C- can you speak to that brian because i i find this fascinating when you know uh, technology leaders do talk about this stuff because it's important you know and it's it's uh, we're living through a great time where we actually are able to kind of talk about you know this aspect of humanity yeah
1: and you know look as a business the health and well-being of Uh, not only our own team but our business partners on campus is really important Mm. Um, I mentioned earlier that we had completely redone the the operational support model and one of the things that we did was we now have people on call on weekends rather than sitting in the business
0: Yeah,
1: because technically they shouldn't be allowed and actually 99% of everything that's required can be done remotely. I mean, unless we're talking in and replacing a physical screen or something like that, Mm -hmm. very few things can't be done remotely anymore. So by putting people who were used to working, you know, shift patterns and lates and earlies and how do they organize their family around that, now they kind of work in this, look, lads, as long as we have somebody on the end of the phone between 8 o'clock in the morning and 6 p.m., that we can take it there's also somebody on out of hours support but they only they will get called if there's a requirement
0: yeah
1: and doing those kind of things and but more importantly i think it was the communication and the including people in the decision making journey and helping map out that transformational journey is what really made the difference you know I got a, a really nice email before Christmas. So it was my first, the end of my first year in the airport, yeah. uh, just before uh, Christmas last year. And I listed the things that we have achieved as a team, and it was something like twenty four major achievements. You know, from uh, in support, insourcing the support team, changing a provider to you know all the different technology enhancements that we made for the business. And When you get a guy who comes back and writes you a letter going, you bringing me into this business and treating me like an adult has improved my home life, is what yeah. this wow. chap wrote. He goes, you know, I'm in better form, so I argue less with the missus. I have more time with my kids. Nobody feels like they're being neglected or and he doesn't feel humpy because he has to go off to do a 12-hour shift on a Saturday. Mm. or a Sunday when he should be spending it with his family and friends, doing things that people need to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And that guy, he's paid me back ten times over in terms of his productivity and his positivity about the role. And, you know, when you get feedback like that, that's the type of stuff that makes me smile. That's what it's really about. When you improve somebody's life, it's just so... Uh, I don't know it's just so heartwarming. Uh, yeah. I mean, every year for probably the last seven or eight years, I have, regardless of what role is on, I have taken on you know one, two, three, just young technologists who might still be in college or who are out of work or looking for work, and I I mentor them, and the only thing is that I do is go. The only thing that I'm going to ask back from you. Is I might have another guy who was in your position ten years down the road when you're head of software development at a big company or something, and I'll ask you a favour to give a guy a lift up on the ladder, yeah, um, or not just a guy, a person, a, a lift up up the ladder. Then do the same favour for me that I did. Yeah.
0: I love that. Pass it on. You know, it's, you know.
1: Again, yeah, it's for me, and you know, it's worked really well. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so probably over the last sort of five years, I've been able to help 12 to 15 young people, you know, guide them to the type of role that suits them, you know, enhance their marketability in terms of their CV. Uh, Those type of, of tasks, is how can you present yourself as best possible to be as successful as possible, and give them the learnings that I have learnt over twenty arduous years in IT, yeah, for their benefit. You know, that's
0: great. And passing Learn on that wisdom, yeah, passing on that wisdom and, and leadership, learning, what have you, it kind of helps people not fall down old traps. I mean, it's good for people to make their own mistakes, but uh, sometimes there's ones where you can see the mistake uh, through awareness, as opposed to, and learning, as opposed to having to kind of go through the pain of it. You know, yeah. Um,
1: I couldn't agree more, and, and, and as a point of note, you know, at the airport, um, uh, one of our key programs in our CSR um, is a program called Ignite, and we take twenty young people from the Greater Belfast area and bring them to become, train them to become the leaders of the future.
0: Wicked, yeah.
1: So you know, it's what's lovely about this organisation um, is not only the culture in it, but the the sense of giving back. And that just really aligned to my my personal goals, my personal ethics and morals. And, you know, I, I do. I come into, into work every day with a smile on my face because I'm treated in the same way I treat my team. Yeah, that's great. And it, it's just really refreshing. And, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, so that's, I mean, it's a great example of, a, of how culture can affect... Uh, their business and you know going beyond that into kind of people's homes and that really resonates with me because as a leader myself this is one of my kind of purposes is to is to kind of create those um nice little kind of ripples that go f- beyond the work environment and, and but also they kind of reflect back in kind of bizarre ways of creativity um um having your kind of uh people ha- implicitly have their kind of skin in the game to want to help the business then you know mm. well, that's going to affect the bottom line
1: yeah i would say there's no such thing as a bad idea tc yeah you know, Even if it sounds silly, saying something like that might spark some other yes. bit of creativity to allow it to do it. So there is no such thing as a bad idea. And the thing about transformation, we know change is a constant, right? The thing yeah. about transformation is if you have the right culture, transformation becomes a part of the daily life of the people within the business. And they embrace it rather than block it which yeah. is what you'll see in a lot of traditional siloed organizations where people are allowed to empire build. Yeah. So yeah. I, empire building is one of those things that I sort of despise in business. And when you hear people referring to their own empire, it just drives <laughs> me barmy
0: yeah.
1: um, because it's not their empire. That's the wrong way to look at it. Yeah you know, it's a business. We should all be working towards the same vision, mission, goals, and objectives to do the right thing for the business. And if you do that and you get that buy-in, you're going to have happier uh, teams working with you. And the cultural aspect is the hardest thing to change, Mm -hmm. but it's the most important thing to enable rapid change in a positive manner.
0: So Brian, there's a, there's a few elephants in the room here that I want to kind of speak to. And, uh, and you know, one of them is the elephant in the shape of a virus called COVID. And the other one is is the event that's occurred very recently uh, within the UK, which is the Brexit as well. Do you want to speak to that and have the impact it's had on you, your leadership and the airport itself?
1: Yeah. Um, so COVID has obviously had a profound effect um, on the industry. And uh, unfortunately, There are many casualties of that. Uh, I think, you know, within Belfast City Airport, we've, because of the culture that we have here, we've been able to drive a lot of efficiencies. And in partnership uh, with the government, for instance, in lockdown one, we had a contract to keep an air bridge open to London because it's successful. There isn't a bridge between Northern Ireland and the GB mainland. We are Mm -hmm. part of the UK. So we are the air bridge. Um, Our location is brilliant. We are five minutes from the city centre of Belfast. Because we don't have a physical connection, air travel is vital to Northern Ireland, both in terms of connecting people, but also in terms of connecting business and driving the local economy here. I mean, we're in the top left corner of Europe. We're, you know, at the point of an extreme of Europe. So having that connectivity is vital for our economy. And COVID has obviously had a, a massive impact. And, you know, we're seeing a huge pent-up demand, especially for that sort of what we'd call VFR travel, which is visiting friends and relatives. And I think, you know, hopefully soon the government will announce a joined-up, Perspective on that to allow people within the common travel area of the UK and Ireland move between the islands without any restrictions. Um, yes, I get that we might have to have vaccine passports and, and all that type of stuff. And there's a lot of uh, companies and technologies and you know, IATA are going are, are developing one uh, for that sort of digital passport, best based on blockchain uh, for that. So. I suppose from that perspective, what we need to look forward to now is growth and Mm. how do we support local businesses um, by opening up that connectivity and connecting families again. Uh, You know, my mother lives in West Cork. Um, I haven't seen her in a year. Mm. Um, I phone her every night, either, you know, with, I I have a young son uh, uh, rather late in life. Um, and we get on Facetime tour and stuff like that. So technology connect can connect people, but I think you know you can't give an iPad a hug. There's a huge amount of pent up demand, and hopefully we'll have some announcements that will give us some clarity on that in between the island of Ireland and the uh, and uh, the island of GB to actually open up those travel lines again and let people go. In and see one another and you know it's been a long and hard graft with COVID and you know people need that relief, they need to go and be able to see their families and friends and do business again. Mm. Uh, It's important for all of us because you know the virus itself isn't all of the impact on it. I think you know there could be a much greater fallout in terms of the impact that it's had on on the societies within the UK and Ireland. Um, It could be much worse than the actual virus itself. And not that I'm downplaying that in any way, shape or form. But we also have a really interesting perspective in in Northern Ireland, and I jokingly call it Schrodinger's Northern Ireland, Hmm. um, because we're in the EU and we're not, and we're in the UK and we're not, all the same. (laughs) But we have a really unique opportunity that we have access to two very large markets from Northern Ireland that nowhere else has, mm. so you know, we can deal with the EU, we can deal with the UK, and that actually gives Northern Ireland a unique economic advantage in terms of companies can set up here and they can sell to both markets and things. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, am we're hoping to leverage uh, the benefit of that. We have some ideas in in the treadmill. Um, Spurning away so you know let's see how that all, all goes but um yeah i just you know again as i said we're not connected we're the air bridge we need to open the bridge
0: yeah
1: and let people see one another and we everybody needs to heal
0: yeah absolutely because
1: covid isn't just about you know getting sick and all of those horrendous and tragic deaths that the whole nation has endured for so long, but we need to heal. We need to give a big hug
0: <laughs> yeah. to
1: our families and friends that we haven't seen in so long. And you know, I'm very appreciative to the companies and the government for everything that they've done and trying to get to that point as quickly as possible. Um, but I think, yeah, now's the time that we're really making a difference in the vaccine in the next, you know, month or two to really open up. especially in our more localized area um, and that our our, you know our sector can can recover I mean if if you look at the United States they're in a place where because domestically they're so large they're at 85 percent of previous levels of activity in 29 whereas we're much more like in the 30 40 percent. Wow
0: yeah that's quite a reduction isn't it I mean that's uh, yeah but yeah.
1: schemes like the furlough scheme and all that kind of stuff has helped us. And, you know, we've all encountered tragedy through this pandemic. Um, and I don't really kind of know what else to say on that. No. Uh, but I just hope it gets better soon and we can open up those pathways and, and reconnect people.
0: Yeah. I love the uh, analogy of the bridge. So brilliant. Brilliant. That's excellent. So, Brian, I've got a fun question for you. What are the books that you would recommend to other leaders out there that have been integral in your journey?
1: Right. So, um, I, look, my perspective is, and I'm full of cliches, but those who read, lead. And I constantly read books on technology and business and you know what's going on in universities and exciting things so i'd, I'd read a lot of journals and all that kind of stuff i suppose one of the things especially for the aspiring tech leader is it's actually about sales methodology rather than technology and it's called let's get real or let's not play uh, by mahan kalsa wow. and that is about consultative selling and sometimes the power of no when you're in a negotiation position. And I've just found it really eye-opening in sort of my learnings and developing my ability to negotiate. Um, It's a consultative selling process and how you need to understand who you're working with uh, and talking to uh, and just to be able to have that emotional and professional intelligence to see things from their perspective. Right. I think far too much in industry, people only care about how it impacts them. But I think that understanding. Uh, and the other thing is really just kind of for organizational sort of structures and how to consult and those key soft skills. Because yeah. I would see soft skills is probably the one thing that can be very light for technologists. Um, and that's Peter Block's Flawless Consulting. Brilliant. Um, they are the two books that really changed, well, Mahan Kalsa's book changed my mindset. And when I now have a better way of doing this, Peter Block just basically gave me that organizational structure that you need So when you need something, it's at hand and you don't have to go searching for it. But even just those key soft skills of how to work with the people that you're working with and how to get the best out of them and the best out of you. For instance, like his workshop um, planning guide is, is really good. Like if you're having a workshop for a day, take two to three days to plan it, know and try and identify what the potential outcomes of that workshop are going to go in. So that allows you, you know, one of the most powerful things that you can do, uh, especially if you're in the sales world, is make other people think it was their idea. Yes. Um, And people can look at that negatively or positively. But what it shows is that you can understand the flow and understand people's perspective. So you get their buy-in so it's just helps people with that methodology in a professional manager I don't see it as influencing in the wrong way mm. but you know if you're offering the best value then essentially that's what it is and I, I always use the word value not price yes. or cost yeah or whatever because you know value is so much more than that uh, so that, yeah in terms of the books uh, that's it in terms for my own personal favorites in terms of fiction it's pretty much Isaac Asimov hence the, <laughs> <laughs> hence the right. quotation about his four laws of robotics and that's how AI should be controlled in the future yeah. Uh, but yeah uh, I love, you know they're the key things and those those two books that I mentioned first they'll probably be really key guides into helping people on that journey from moving to a technologist to a technology leader because you have to have that cons- cons- consultative perspective. So, for instance, when I joined the airport, I took the first couple of months to do my discovery and analysis. I went out, I spoke to people, I interviewed them, I understand, got to understand what things needed to change, where people's issues and pain points were, and then I identified the gaps, identified quick wins, both from a, a people, well, from a people, process, and technology perspective. Yeah. And then I was able to make some really quick wins and take some big costs that we didn't require in the business out really quickly and then, you know, help with the bottom line. So when you make those quick wins, that is how I built the trust with the yeah. executive team uh, and the trust of the people on the ground. Because, you know, when you do that, but you act with respect and accountability and you're open with people and you communicate the journey, that's the important thing.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, those, and those books you've mentioned, uh, they're definitely going to be added to my list because I actually haven't got those. So thank you for sharing those. And here goes another fun part of the podcast. I'm going to pretend to be a tech genie for a second. I'm going to offer your wish of some sort for your tech leadership uh, or your teams or your industry. What that wish be?
1: Um, well, <laughs> personally, teleportation. But from an airport's <laughs> perspective, that doesn't really work. I suppose we could become a teleportation centre. Oh, probably require a lot of, uh, of power. Um, me, for me, uh, sort of the technology that I need best and that gives me the the safety and security is already there. It's GPS for ocean sailing. So when you're out in the middle of nowhere, um, in in a in a much younger version of myself, uh, I used to. Do, a lot of you know deliveries and races offshore, and uh, you know that was a big step in the technology. Now that continues to be more accurate, um, but from a customer and from an airport standpoint, I suppose, especially with the times we're in, you know, hopefully coming to an end of this terrible COVID tragedy. It would be that frictionless travel, you know, use your own device to check in, have digitally stored passports, you know, not having to have that direct human contact so that you can have that human contact when you're at home.
0: Yeah, love
1: it. So, you know, if if I could uh, open up the purse strings and spend my money now, it would be on, you know. Sort of the, the things that will make a difference in fictionless travel for the airports as in, you know, end to end self bag drop, um, check in kiosks, digital passports based on blockchain, um, you know, anything that can speed up the process in terms of, you know, if you look at the airport j- journey, there's key stress points. That's the check in point that's going through security and then it's waiting to board the plane. So anything that we can re- do to reduce those stress levels at those key points means happier customers and happier customers spend more. I mean, that's just uh, a a fact of life. So from a business perspective, it would be that, you know, the biometrics, Mm. facial recognition. And of course that has to be done in total compliance in terms of GDPR and personal data uh, privacy, which is something that we take very, very serious at at the airport. Yeah,
0: Um,
1: And, you know, I would say that sort of like technology also doesn't do culture (laughs) would Mm -hmm. be my other kind of point so if you were you know in terms of my leadership i'd be like build the culture the technology isn't the hard bit the culture is the hard bit if you get the right culture you'll be
0: successful i love it and finally your key takeaway for tech leaders tech leader men and women out there what would your kind of parting gift
1: I've got a couple of points on that. I mentioned before that the only constant has changed. So develop a culture that enables transformation. And the other point I suppose is on on recruitment is higher on aptitude and attitude, not the person with the most letters after their name, because they're not necessarily going to come with the best ideas. I found over my last 20 years in the industry that there's been a number of people that I've had to hire that I've had to retrain. Mm. and with the old standard typical attitude to process there was people who didn't get to be in front of me that i met at a later chance going i applied for this job but i didn't get it and actually that person would have been perfect for the job but a lot of the talent selection was done by ai so because they didn't have certain letters after the name that person wasn't even considered for the role yeah and you know don't just let technology make those decisions for you. Hire on attitude and aptitude, because then you'll be able to drive the right culture.
0: Love it, and that's a great note to finish on, Brian. So thank you for your time, and uh, it's been great having you on board. And lots of gems and bits of wisdom there. And uh, good luck to the airport, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to recover soon from the uh, the COVID era that we're all living in.
1: Thank you very much, TC, and the. All the team at IT Labs, I really appreciate this opportunity to be uh, forthcoming and open about the journey at the airport and how technology can enable better businesses. But it's really that culture is the main thing to drive productivity and positivity within the business.
0: Brilliant. Thank you, sir. Well, that was a great conversation with Brian. Belfast City Airport is one I've flown to a number of times, so it's great to speak to someone who has such an important role And again, on the subject of those leaders behind the scenes that we never notice. Those champions of keeping the lights on, keeping things running and making sure your interactions with their domains of influence are unnoticed like they were never there. This is such an important aspect of all businesses, i.e. to avoid problems, keep things working and making the end-to-end experience almost unnoticeable, if not delightful. So what were your key takeaways from the podcast? These were mine. My first key takeaway is how education can help the fight against cybersecurity threats. My second key takeaway is why it's important to mentor young techies. Young techies are our future, so look after them. Thirdly, and finally, my final key takeaway is how technology can fail a business and the things that you can do to avoid that. So thank you, Brian, thank you for your time. Well done on your leadership and your passion for simplifying complex worlds For solutions and better understanding for the people that interact with technology, but not needing to be an expert. And as for Belfast City Airport and all that work there, keep up the great work and I look forward to visiting again. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.